Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. This show is sponsored in part by Sailrite. Since 1969, Sailrite has been equipping self-sufficient sailors with tools, supplies, and knowledge they need to sew for their boats. This second-generation family business is also the maker of the Sailrite Ultrafeed sewing machine. The Ultrafeed is a portable, heavy-duty sewing machine that was designed to handle all your maritime sewing projects from sails to covers. At Sailrite, you'll find everything you need to take on your next do-it-yourself project, including fabric, tools, hardware, and even hundreds of free how-to video tutorials. Start your next project at Sailrite.com. That's S-A-I-L-R-I-T-E dot com. This is Neil in Santa Monica, California. Regular listeners will know me as a confederate of France, an avid sailor, and an occasional correspondent for this particular podcast. In this special report, I'm going to be looking at the SoCal 300, a genuine offshore sailboat race covering almost 300 nautical miles from the start at the swanky Santa Barbara Yacht Club to the finish line in San Diego. We're going to try to get a sense of what this race is about, the toll it takes on its competitors, and what it takes to win. So please, stay with us. I first started sailing about 10 years ago and for quite a few years I thought that taking my little 22 foot wooden sloop out on the weekend afternoon from its slip in Marina del Rey for a lazy sail up the coast to the Santa Monica Pier and back was just the greatest way to while away a few hours. Four miles up the coast, four miles down, a couple of friends, cold beer, what more could a man want? But then the racing bug struck. In those days, when I had just to start a boat, I defrayed the cost by partnering with a neighbour of mine. I'll call him Mark. In many ways, he was the man I can most consider my sailing mentor, until he was replaced by Franz, of course. Now, Mark had always told me that cruising was great, and that a flotilla in the eastern Mediterranean, diving into gin-clear water after lunch, before enjoying a gin-clear gin and tonic at sunset, was about as close to heaven as you can get. But if I really wanted to get my pulse racing and become a better sailor to boot, then I needed to start racing. And after a while, I started to listen. Now, I eased into racing gently, joining a semi-regular crew on a 35-foot Beneteau run by one of the local sailing schools. My fellow racers were novitiates, like me, and every Wednesday night from April to September, we would go upwind and downwind and back into the harbour with about 50 other boats in the Sunset Series, which is organised by the California Yacht Club. But once I'd learned the rudiments, my gaze started shifting longingly to some of the really fast-looking boats out there. I soon tired of the Beneteau and her cruising lines and started wondering what would it be like to be on a J109 or a Tartan 101 or a Far 40. Inevitably, I moved to a more competitive division, racing on a Santana 30, which was quite a step up. Um, But after three years of trimming and grinding, I noticed that we never seemed to get near the other boats in our class. We never got near a podium finish, so I decided it was time for a change. 
And for the past six months, I've been running foredeck on a Beneteau Oceanus 55 named Ruby Doe, as in Ruby of the Water in French. Now, Ruby is still a cruising boat rather than a racing sled, but running the foredeck has introduced me to a whole new exotic world of code zeros, asymmetrical spinnakers housed in socks, and all sorts of other good stuff which I'd never seen before. We've come no closer to finishing first, but what I've learned is that what really drives me is learning new skills, pushing myself. In other words, refusing to grow old gracefully. In January, I did my first 24-hour race, the Round Catalina Challenge, on another Beneteau, a 47.7 vessel named Macondo, and that race covered about 106 nautical miles. Next up was the famed Newport to Ensenada, uh, which I did last month. And in case you'd never heard of it, it's a 125-mile race from Newport Beach in California to Ensenada in Mexico. So it's the first race where I needed a passport. Once upon a time, it was a very big deal, but these days its glory seems to have faded a tad. Nonetheless, there's still some great skippers involved. Dennis Connor, for one, and you get to see some amazing boats, including the huge trimarans Fido and Mighty Malo. And in fact, just this month, Fido set a new Transback record sailing from Los Angeles to Hawaii in three days and 16 hours, if you can believe it. So I helped sail Ruby down from Marina del Rey to Newport before the race. Then I raced with the team and then I sailed her back. After five days on the boat, I was more than a little fatigued. But no sooner did I get home than I received an invitation from the skipper of Macondo to rejoin his boat for the SoCal 300, a serious offshore race with some serious offshore boats which is part of the California Offshore Race Week regatta, which brings me here. So let's see what the event is all about. It's a little before 11 o'clock on Thursday, June 1st. We are going to be setting off in a moment or two to the start line for the start of the race. I'm on board with nine other folks and we're going to try to get a couple of words from them just about their expectations for the race. Tom, just tell me your name and where you're from. I'm Tom DeFleur. I'm from Marina del Rey, California. This is the first time you've done a race this size? This is the first time I've done a race this size on any boat of any size. I've done a little bit of near shore small catamaran racing, but this is the first uh, open ocean race. That, that I'll be doing. Do you expect it to be tough? I expect it to be a little bit tough. I tend to be susceptible to seasickness, so we'll hope that uh, you know that doesn't happen. But uh, I think it's going to be a great experience. And uh, what it's going to mean is that my friends will now stop calling me the armchair sailor. Okay, we'll check back in 48 hours and see if you're still full of piss and vinegar. Thank you. It's 6.32 on Thursday, June 1st. We are starting to move nicely for the first time. The race kicked off a little bit after noon and um, we barely had four or five knots for the first five hours. So the progress across towards the gap between Santa Cruz and Santa Rosa was slow and dull. On the plus side, we had a beautiful view of the Santa Barbara Basin, which is a beautiful spot to look back on. We had a little bit of dolphin action, but there really wasn't much else going on. So uh, we did what the best we could with a constant stream of commentary from 
our tactician, Mike Price of Almond Sales, who did the best that he could under difficult circumstances. But the wind is finally filling in now and building as the sun starts westering and heading towards the horizon. We're up to about between 14 and 16 knots now and this boat, which is quite a heavy boat, is really getting up on its feet and moving. So we're going hard to weather, heading towards the gap, getting lifted a lot, um, heading towards the gap between centre cruise and centre rotor, which we're going to duck through. So everyone's put on their foulies. Everyone stopped talking and started uh, taking things a little more seriously and I think we're going to have possibly a wet and an interesting and a f hopefully a fast night. And uh, I'll check back in tomorrow. I'm talking with Marie Rogers, a lovely sailor who I met a couple of months ago doing a round the Catalina trip and who I also bumped into doing the Newport to Ensenada last month. Marie is an avid sailor, and you have a boat of your own, and a very nice boat, I understand. What yes, is it, Marie? thank you. It's a 55-foot Nelson Merrick design uh, race boat. Um, it's done several Transpac. It's, it has uh, it had different names <laughs> before we had it. It was an originally called Lone Star. It became Firebird. Uh, it was Bolt, and then it became Marie. And how many races typically do you do a year on her? Uh, five to uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and maybe eight. Okay. And the Newport Ensenada is obviously the biggest one. Yes, sir. Okay. How did you do this year? Um, we finished. <laughs> <laughs> we survived. It was very bumpy. We had eight to ten foot uh Seas, uh, little to no wind in the middle of the night. Um, the crew got really beat up, um, but we were determined this time. It was my third Ensenada race, and the other two we didn't finish because of either too much wind or not enough wind. And this one we were just determined to finish. And indeed you did. And what do you think about today? We looks like we finally got some wind. It was pretty boring for long stretches today, wasn't it? Um, I wouldn't call it boring. <laughs> I would just call it, um, it was a beautiful day. It's still beautiful. Sun setting soon. Um, yeah, kind of slow start, light wind. Uh, I found light much lighter than the prediction. Um, I'm convinced, though, once we hit the other side of the islands, it's going to be very exciting all night. Okay, so on that note, we're going to wrap up the frivolity of a recording, and uh, we'll check back in with Marie and the rest of the crew tomorrow. Thanks, Marie. You're welcome. Thank you. It's 3.42 a.m. on Friday, June 2nd. And whatever words I issued earlier about having a boring race, I would like to take back the last... 10 hours have been exciting not always in a good way um, as we approached the gap between Santa Rosa and San Miguel Island the winds built quite quickly there was a bit of a Venturi effect between the two islands um, and it seemed by sort of about 5.30 that we were doing I think we were in winds of sustained 25, gusting to over 30. And we still had our big number one jib up. And we didn't put in a reef. 
I don't think that was necessarily a good idea. And we really should have changed the head saw. But um, at this point, I don't really want to assign too much blame for what happened afterwards because it's still early and I'm still processing it. But um, essentially, what happened was we got overpowered. The jib ended up wrapping around itself on the force day and um, three of us had to go forward and this was after probably about an hour of bare knuckle ride close to the edge sailing when we constantly seemed like we were going to have a crash jibe or something you know the wind was trying the wind was as I said gusting to over to the mid 30s and the waves were right on our quarter trying to push us around and round us up so the skipper was constantly fighting to avoid that. Um, so after the jib got wrapped around the headstay, and no matter what we did, we couldn't correct it, three of us had to go onto a bucking foredeck. This is after the sun's gone down, it's now night time, and try to get that sucker down, and that was really very demanding. We were obviously all clipped in, but we were getting hammered by the wind and the spray, and it was really very hairy. Anyway, we got it down, and rather than wait until the morning to just go, we could have quite easily gone under main alone. We were hammering along at, you know, eight more, eight and a half, nine knots. The skipper decided that we were going to put up, I think, our number two or our number three. It's a smaller um, sail, but it's, you know, heavier fabric. And so we had to put that up. We had to feed it, and I was there, um, as the main bow deck, main foredeck guy, feeding this thing in the dark through the track of the roller furling, attaching the the um, the shackle, um, which was very difficult because it was dark. I'd lost my headlamp overboard. Over it went overboard when the first sail came down. The first jib came down, so I was holding a flashlight in my teeth and um, trying to reconnect the head of the sail onto the halyard and uh, doing this while trying to have a third hand which I don't own, a third hand uh, holding on to stand up and in a bucking foredeck in the dark so it was really just the sort of thing that you read about when you're in an armchair and you hope never happens to you but it did happen to me uh, it happened to me and the rest of the crew But so it was a very probably demanding adrenaline filled 15-20 minutes but we managed to get the sail attached. We um, didn't raise it. We just kept uh, we kept it uh, tied to the lifelines with um, sail ties. And no sooner had we got back to the cockpit and we were all thoroughly exhausted, than the wind dropped and it was deemed safe to put the sail up. So someone went forward, <laughs> released the sail ties and hoisted the sail. And the noise that you will hear is of the boat barreling along at 3.45am, still doing between 7.5 and 8.5 knots. We're just off of San Nicolas Island now, so we're making unbelievable progress. Um, you know, I'm used to 4 o'clock in the mornings on overnight passages or races being deadly dull, grey, full of condensation, boring, struggling to get two knots out of the boat because and with the sail slatted uh, this could not be further from that the wind has kept up all night we're barreling along which is good we'll certainly have a great time if this keeps up 
getting into the finish line. We might well finish tonight, late tonight, Friday night, instead of midday Saturday, which is what we were expecting. So that's where we are. Um, I guess you pay for everything in life, and you pay for the pleasure of winning or making or having a short race by having a very uh, a sleigh ride, which is what it's been. Um, also, to add to the expense f for the owner of the of the boat, in addition to having to buy a new jib, a new big new number one, because it was shredded by its uh, experience wrapping around the force day. Um, at some point, we crashed jibe two or three times while we were up on the foredeck. And on one of those occasions, the main sheet got caught behind the binnacle in front of the steering section, steering wheel. And um, it, uh, the force of it ripping, ripped the binnacle forward, bent the stainless steel arch. And it uh, looks like he's going to have an expensive stainless steel job to fix that, to, uh, to fix it. So... Um, He's managed. The owner has managed. Didn't make any of these decisions that because we've got two separate skippers on board, and he's the one who has to pay for their decisions. And so, although everyone's trying to stay upbeat, we I think silently we already feel for the skipper for what's happened here. So, anyway, I guess the really important thing is that no one's overboard. Touch wood. No injuries to um, to life or limb and we're still barreling along towards the finish line in San Diego. And uh, that's all I have for now. It's 8.38am on Saturday, June 3rd. We are still in the race, although we're just limping towards the finish line. We're about 20 miles out of San Diego, um, and there's five of us sitting here in the cockpit, and uh, we're just going to go around and get just a couple of people's thoughts about their experiences here and uh, how they enjoyed it. And we are going to start with the team member who's come from furthest afield, Michiko, from Tokyo, Japan. Michiko, just tell us um, how you've enjoyed it, and uh, very briefly your thoughts on the race so far. I'm Michiko. Um, I am enjoying this race very much. Thank you for uh, giving giving me this opportunity. And I must study English more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's great. Thank you. Briefly, that, well, I'm going to introduce you to the man that we've dubbed Sir Talks a lot, and um, because he has a loquacious manner, but there's also lots of uh, knowledge to be gleaned from him. So, Tom, just tell us, uh, are you looking forward to the finish of the race and uh, how are you feeling physically? I'm feeling better. I am susceptible to motion sickness, so um, I've done actually quite well on this trip. It's, it's been interesting. Uh, I'm with a group of really wonderful people, very diverse people, and uh, I've learned what I know and a lot about what I don't know and need to learn if I'm going to keep on doing this. All right. That's a mantra for sailors everywhere, I think. Okay, we're going to move over to John. John, where you've come over here from the other side of the country, I understand. Yeah, I came from uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, and my first sailboat race, so I'm enjoying the experience, and uh, I look forward to uh, future races. Have you found it physically demanding? Uh, not yet. It's In the rough seas, it's a little tough, but 
right now I'm enjoying it. Okay. We're going to move over to another gentleman from back in the East Coast, sort of. This is Kyle from Shreveport, Louisiana. Just give us a few words, Kyle. New Orleans, Louisiana. But that's okay. I have love for Shreveport as well. Um, yeah, it's been a really great experience. It's been a varied uh, experience from battling 35 knot gusts and rip sails to currently kind of bobbing and waiting on the wind. But um, any, any time for me on the water is a sort of meditative experience. I've left my worries at home and have been present here with the crew and enjoyed every moment of it so it's been great all right and we've left what may be the best to last we're going to uh, introduce you to by far and away the most knowledgeable member of the team here mark price of allman sales who has really um provided a lot of good commentary as well as kept us very upbeat the first couple of hours of the race back on Thursday, which seems like a long time ago now, we had kind of indifferent winds, fluky winds just sort of shifting in and out. And he seemed to be narrating every furlong, every inch of the race. And it really served as an interesting sort of reminder to us all about the need to, to that ever, I guess, that every second counts in a race. So would you just tell us, first of all, thanks for sailing and sharing your knowledge with us. And do you have any brief comments about the way you feel the race has gone in your experience here today? Yeah, uh, uh, thank you. Um, yeah, I think the race has gone um, rather well for us. Uh, we're now sitting, uh, like you said, about 20 miles off San Diego, side by side with a uh, uh, certainly faster boat and keeping pace with them in these uh, light and shifty winds. Um, the crew work the entire race has been outstanding. The, uh, the teamwork and just the synergy in, uh, in both the characters and talents that everyone has brought to the table has uh, been a terrific blend. Um, it's made for, you know, you know not, just a, not just a fun trip, but, um, you know, it's kept things interesting and it's kept things exciting. Um, you know, our, our boat likes heavier winds, which for the majority of the race we haven't been blessed with, although we've certainly had our, uh, our pockets of thrills and chills. But um, uh, nonetheless, I, I think we're, we're sitting in good position, spirits are high, and um, it's, it's been an enjoyable time. And if I could ask you to distill, if it's possible, distill your knowledge or a, a wisdom, what is the single most important ish, uh, thing you need to do well? Not necessarily to win, but to really do well in this kind of race and to beat the rest of the fleet. Well, this is a, a uh, certainly a long race, uh, a 300-mile race, uh, certainly crosses the line from... Uh you know, from a, a sprint to a marathon to a, a real endurance challenge. And one thing I think we've done a, a tremendous job of the entire time is keeping people fresh, keeping people rested, and uh, managing the uh, uh, nutrition and fluids uh, that everyone's um, uh, intake. Um, you know, races like this, um, you know, uh, any any one person can be a hero and certainly uh, push hard for eight, ten, or twelve hours. And at that point, they're they're cooked and they're done. And now our, our team is down a member. But we've been um, we've been very disciplined and diligent uh, about keeping each other fresh, uh, rotating through uh, sleep cycles, and uh, making sure that uh, uh, people get the relief they need so that we may press on. That's great. Thanks so much, and uh, thanks to you all for your uh, opinions.
It's about 30 minutes past midday on Saturday, June 3rd. The good ship Macondo is currently about nine nautical miles off the coast of San Diego. We are reaching with our spinnaker up in about seven to nine knots of wind and the crew is in good spirits. We're not sure where we finished yet vis-a-vis -vis the other races but probably in the middle to the higher level of the fleet I would imagine simply by virtue of the fact that we were able to keep the boat moving almost the whole time. Last night the wind was shifty but continued to come out of the south for the most part and we were able in the dark hours between midnight and about 6am to keep the boat moving between two and a half and five knots. There were some slatted sails and some moments of frustration but on the whole we kept her going so we're pretty happy with the way things went last night and overall. This probably isn't the best time to reflect on the whole course of the events but just in general I would say that in common with anyone who's done a race that lasts two or three days or a passage that's done two or three days it's been a good experience it's tested us we felt tired and exhausted and demoralized at times and we felt very uplifted and very positive at others there were a couple of moments of real anxiety for me given the conditions on the first night but things have very considerably calmed down since then and we are happy that we are going back but I think most of us feel that we could probably do this again or maybe even something a little longer. So I'm going to leave those reflections there until I am back on dry land at the San Diego Yacht Club and I've had a shower and a shave and probably a couple of dark and stormies and then I'll wrap up this audio segment because I'm getting a little tired of hearing my own voice and I'm sure you are too. It's Sunday, June 4th at 5.30pm and I'm back at my Santa Monica home. I want to thank you all for staying with me. This segment came out about five minutes longer than I'd planned but I really couldn't find too much stuff I wanted to edit out. During the editing phase I couldn't help but notice how tired and depressed I sounded in the wee small hours segment right after that very difficult first night and I know that that can be hard to listen to sometimes so thanks for persevering. But the results are in, and I'm very proud to tell you that after elapsed time adjustments, Macondo wound up finishing second in her class, just 21 minutes out of first place. We also finished 8th overall and 17th in liner honours. The boat's owner, Mike Sudo, earned a podium spot in the awards on the deck of the San Diego Yacht Club, who I'd like to thank for the warm welcome they gave us. Now this boat is essentially a big cruising yacht, so to see her moored in the midst of some serious, dedicated, stripped-down racing machines after more than holding her own with a largely neophyte crew was incredibly satisfying. And a word about our morale at the end of the race. It was sky-high. We were all pretty emotional and quite proud of ourselves. The difficulties of the first night were put into perspective by what followed, and I think to a man and woman, we would all go out and do it again in a heartbeat. So I'm going to sign off by parroting the words of Franz. Life is short. Go out and make some memories. Go sailing.
life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing. <laughs>